welcome to Light of the Southwest. Some of you may recognize me. I'm Tommy Cooper. I haven't seen you for a long time on Light of the Southwest, and I'm so happy to be here with you today. I've got co-hosting with me today, Harold and Lois Holiday, and uh, you might be seeing more of them. And uh, our special guest today is Avi Lipkin. So, Avi, Harold and Lois. Yes. Thank you. Welcome. Good evening. <laughs> and it's good to have you with us. And I just want to say thank you for all of you who have been writing those sweet letters, being consistent yes. to send in those gifts, and helping us get GLC back up and glorifying the Lord. <laughs> thank you so much for your love and patience with us. We need a lot of patience. And we need a lot of help, so you be prayerful. Well, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on that. I could, but I won't. And uh, I just want to welcome Avi. Thank you so much for coming. Good to be back home again. It is home. Because I feel <laughs> home. Yes, I feel home here. Well, you're welcome as if it were home. I tell you that. We always appreciate you coming. Because we have an a unending interest in Israel, for sure. And it's always great to have a personal update. That's Thank right. Thank you for being here. It is so important. Thank you. And, of course, uh, in addition to my having been here, going all the way back to 9-11 and just before, last week my son Aaron also appeared here. Yes. So I'm very proud because he talks about archaeology and there are a lot of things we could say on this show about the archaeology proving uh, the veracity of the Bible. And of course, I continue uh, more with my political activities mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. with my Judeo-Christian right. Bible block party. And uh, we've already run in four elections, and so we're very much into what's going on in Israel right so now. So making your presence known. We are doing our best, yeah. and uh, we are now going to translate uh, my fourth book. I have seven books. My fourth book, The Bible Block Party, uh, we will translate, uh, translate this into Hebrew. Wonderful. And I have a PR team that once the book is printed and published and ready for the stores, uh, they're going to make an effort uh, to get me on radio, TV, and newspapers. Uh, and then we're going to go up in, into the thousands, tens of thousands, maybe more votes in the next election, which we think will be within a year. Wow. Yeah, so we're, we're working very hard on that party. <laughs> I, I don't know if a lot of our, our viewers are really aware of everything politically that's been going on in Israel. It has been a hot spot, hasn't it? Uh, yes, very, very much so. Uh, firstly, what I did want to say is that uh, I love uh, Benjamin Netanyahu. Yeah. Uh, I think he was the greatest prime minister we ever had. Uh, he was three years prime minister in the 1990s, then 11 years, which just terminated a few months ago. Um, uh, he was the longest lasting prime minister, yes. even more than Ben-Gurion. He put Israel on the map uh, as, a, an, a, as an international economic power, military power, scientific power. Mm -hmm. um, and so he, he, he's alive. I mean, so he is a great man. He still is. Mm -hmm. But uh, what I wanted to say, many people are saying, you know, like, if he's so good, why is he not the prime minister anymore? And what I, what I feel I need to say, uh, with all due respect to Netanyahu, um, is that here in America, 
and I was born in America and raised in America, and I believe in the American system of term limits. In other words, the president is four years, eight mm -hmm. years maximum. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's kind of like uh, an antibiotic or a medicine. If somebody, God forbid, is sick and needs an antibiotic or a medicine, um, and that medicine saves the person's life. Yeah. It's a very good medicine. But it when you, you look at the bottle and it says expiration date, you throw <laughs> it in the trash. And uh, I, I would never say to throw Netanyahu in the trash. No. But, uh, you know, I've been living in Israel 53 years. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been very active in the Israeli political life. I yeah. see the direction in which the politics is going. And uh, one of the great faults of Netanyahu was his personal relationships with uh, people within the party. And uh, what happened was Naftali Bennett, who today is the prime minister, was uh, prime minister secretary. Oh. And uh, Victor Lieberman uh, was chief of staff. Mm -hmm. uh, we had also Gidon Saar, who was an important minister in various positions. Uh, we had someone called Moshe Kachlon, who is not at all in politics right now at this moment. Um, uh, Zev Elkin, all these people were, were Likud. I was Likud. Uh -huh. I was Likud. Uh, and what happened was the system is uh, today personality of the cult. And so what happens is if you uh, try to uh, show yourself a little too much, you get your wings clipped by Netanyahu. And so a lot of people uh, just decided they had to leave the Likud, okay. even though ideologically uh, they still agree. It's st st still the same ideology. Mm -hmm. So it's not fair to say that the govern government today is socialist. It has socialist participation. It has an Arab party uh, participation. Yes. Uh, and I'll tell you something. I, I have nothing against the Arabs if they are loyal uh, to the right. state of Israel, their right. citizens. Um, I am actually very grateful that today there is a government uh, across the board. Right. So that you have also socialists, also right-wing mm -hmm. nationalists, uh, and Arab Muslims. Um, I think Netanyahu, what he should do is be like the father of the party and raise up a new generation of leadership within the Likud and not just um, uh, make everyone afraid of him, that if you go mm -hmm. against his ego, you're going to get chopped up, you know, and right. thrown out. Right. And that's the reason Netanyahu is not in power today. I have a question. Sure. Uh, in, in your experience um, and the way you see it, how important is it for the young people to be cued in on what's going on, uh, for the younger generation to look and see what's happening? What do you think? Uh, your point is very well taken because what happens is many young people uh, after high school, they go into the army. It's not like here, you finish high school, you go to college. No, in Israel, you finish high school, you go to the army for three years, four years, five years. Uh, you acquire some kind of a military skill or position. Then you go to college. Israeli kids at age 21 start college. They have to work while they're studying in college. It's very hard to be a student in Israel. And uh, the Israeli students are very worldly. Israeli students know exactly what's going on all over the world. And then they go into politics and they're stifled because the pol politicians that be will not let them rise uh, to any significance. So what happens is a lot of the young people just go into business or, you know, or some kind of a career. 
Look how but many. Politics, it's usually the cronies who survive. Right. But look how many young ideas might be stifled. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm happy that Naftali Bennett is prime minister. Don't forget, Naftali is about 20 years younger than uh, Netanyahu. Is he? And uh, Netanyahu, actually, I mean, Netanyahu is a few months younger than I am. But I don't get no respect. <laughs> <laughs> but people are younger, 20 years, and these people, Naftali Bennett comes from high tech. Uh, he's actually a millionaire. He's been very successful in this high tech business. Uh, he has wonderful ideas. He does wonderful things. And yet he was completely stifled and chopped down. Ah. So I think the problem why Netanyahu is not the prime minister is because in four elections, he could not put together a coalition because a lot of the people who really could and broke away said, we are not going to work with Netanyahu because of his character. Hmm. To every coin, there are two sides. Sure. Wow. That's very interesting and enlightening. Yeah. It really is. And, and how about the Bible Block Party? What, how's that progressing? Okay, uh, you have to understand, I started this with your help. Yeah, you did. 20 years ago. A long time ago. And, uh, and Jim and Jackie yes. and you and Al and like that. I'm, I, there's a reason I say that uh, Odessa is like hometown for me. <laughs> and there are other people in this town that are very important to me that I don't mention their sure, names. But, sure. uh, because it's, the list is too long. It is. Um, mm -hmm. I started talking about this political party 20 years ago. I wrote my book in 2006. Uh, like I said before, I am redoing it now, uh, updating it in okay. Hebrew and making it more pertinent to the Israeli public because the book actually was written more to the American evangelical Christians to, to understand. And they need it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, the party took me many, many years to register. It took me 11 years to register. I know. It was a long uh, time. Yes. And in the end, it ended up costing me uh, and my Christian supporters here in America uh, about $100,000. Mm -hmm. And the checks did not go to me. The checks went to my lawyer. I said, I want the checks to go to my lawyer. Party got registered. Uh, great difficulty. Another thing, you need uh, 100 uh, signatures of uh, supporters. And it, was, it took me 11 years to find 100 people in Israel who said, we, we love the idea of giving Christians representation in the Knesset. We love the idea of a Judeo-Christian alliance politically. There are even people now saying to me, you should do a Judeo-Christian party in America. <laughs> so, Maybe we but, should. But, but no, Israel definitely needs it. Um, and one of the reasons that we need it, firstly, of course, is because about 8% of our population is either nominally Christian or, uh, you know, believers. Mm -hmm. They have no representation in the Knesset. Mm -hmm. uh, the uh, Knesset is our Congress. Mm -hmm. uh, the Muslims uh, are citizens. They have 20 members. Uh, they have, uh, no, they have uh, 11 members of Knesset. It changes, varies a little sometimes. Wow, that's mm -hmm. a lot. Uh, and, but they represent the constituency. The, the yes, Arabs, the Muslims are, mm -hmm. are, are citizens. That's right. But Christian believers, there's not one. And so I felt that, uh, it, 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 remember the American Revolution? No taxation yeah, without, without representation. representation. Right. And right. uh, you know what? It cannot be that we Jews come to you Christians <clears throat> and say, stand with us and support us, but we don't bless you back, that we don't give you representation in the Knesset. So it's very, very important uh, to get this party up and running, and that's what I did. Uh, we ran in four elections, and the elections uh, were not easy because who's going to vote for a party that nobody ever heard of before? Mm -hmm. And so we were you know, going up from 300 to 400 votes, 429 votes, which is nothing because you need 100 
40,000 votes Ooh. to get the first four people in. Mm -hmm. um, we have, uh, we were going to get about 10,000 votes in the last elections, but uh, a lot of the Messianics, for example, uh, are anti-vaxxers. They didn't want to take the vaccine. So there was a new party in Israel about oh anti-vaccine. Yes. So all the Messianics went and voted for that party. <laughs> and so we stayed stuck at around 429 uh, people. We had some Arab uh, uh, group, Arab, Arab Christian group, fighters. They serve in the Israeli army, good people. And they have 11,000, but they said, how many people do you have? I said, 400. I said, we can't join your party if you have only 400. So it's, it's a vicious cycle. Mm -hmm. In order to succeed, you have to succeed. Yes. Uh, and so, so, the, so the purpose of my book in Hebrew, it's going to cost me $25,000. Oh, Not wow. because of the printing. The printing is like two, $3,000. It's going to cost me that money because there's a whole team of people that when the book is finished and out, they're going to be hammering at the radio, TV stations, uh, newspapers getting me interviews. Um, we have in Israel a lot of these. Uh, every town has like its cultural center, uh -huh. and they yeah. invite people like me to come and speak. Until now, nobody invited me because nobody <coughs> knew who I was. Nobody knows you. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, what took me 30 years here in America to get known, at least in this circle of people like yours, uh, in Israel, I'm just starting. I don't have another 30 years to get known. It has to be done <laughs> I know. much faster. So um, I'm expecting the book to be ready within six months. Purpose of this trip is to raise the funds for that. Uh -huh. uh, and then I go back to Israel, get the book, rewrite the book, get it translated into Hebrew. Perhaps do the book in Russian also. Because, that would be awesome. Because 400,000 uh, people who could vote for our party, who are part Christian or Christian, uh, 400,000 uh, uh, don't even know who I am. And I do right. speak Russian. Right. But I don't speak Russian well enough to do my own book all over again in Russian. Many Israelis are Russian. Uh, 200, uh, two million came in the last uh, wow. you know, uh, 30 years. And they're years. still coming. And they're still coming. Yeah. But what I did want to say, and we could talk, do a whole show just on what I'm going to say now, I feel that there is going to be a Holocaust in America. And I feel the Jews are going to have to flee to Israel. I'm afraid you might be right. And the, yes, and we can talk about that if you want. Uh, Jews in America are about six million. Mm -hmm. Most of them not religious. Most of them assimilated. Uh, most of them married to Christians. Mm -hmm. In other words, six million Jews are married 80 percent to Christians. So that's about oh, wow. four million. Uh -huh. uh, if and when such a Holocaust takes place, and I'll explain to you if you want why it's going to happen, we're All talking right. about the possibility of 10 million immigrants to Israel. Wow. Jews and Christians, in addition to the seven and a half million we have now. Mm -hmm. So basically, my party becomes uh, the biggest party in the Knesset. And that? if my wife doesn't kill me, I'm prime minister. <laughs> <laughs> but I listen to the news also, and I think the Christians may in time get to be a part of the Holocaust you're talking about. Very correct. I, I don't think that the Jewish people will be any more discriminated against than the Christian people in the years that are to come. My, my favorite quote is either we hang together or we hang, hang separately. separately. That's right. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and I didn't really realize the truth of that until lately. I yes. can see the writing on the wall, if you would say it that way, that time, even in my lifetime, this whole scenario has changed. Right. It has. I, I, have, to, I, I have to tell you, um, and I, I think I've said these things on this show many years ago, uh, my wife, Rachel, uh, was born in Egypt. Mm 
And she's Jewish, but mm -hmm. she speaks Arabic as a mother tongue. Uh -huh. She worked as an intelligence gatherer for the Israeli radio and TV, which then went to the, you know, the army and intelligence and things like that. And she gave me a quote when she very, very started, very much started working at the radio, where there was a Saudi station which was saying, even if it takes us 150 years, we will take America over and make it Muslim through immigration. Mm -hmm. Oh, and it's happening mm -hmm. faster than you can even Then start. when my wife retired, they said, uh, the same Saudi station said, we said, if you remember, many years ago, we said that we would make America a Muslim country in 150 years. No, 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 no. We were wrong. It's only going to take 30 years. Mm -hmm. And the problem is that the gatekeepers in this country are bribed. Mm -hmm. Don't say Dem Democrat, Republican. Right. All gatekeepers right. are bribed. Mm -hmm. All people, the swamp in Washington, they get paid and, uh, you know, for their services. That's right. And, and the universities uh, are giving out visas. Uh, we're talking about millions and millions and millions. I say that there are 30 million Muslims in America. And uh, these people are bringing in their families. That's called chain immigration. Mm -hmm. President, former President Trump spoke about that. Um, and we have a lot of illegals coming across from Mexico Amen. who are not uh, Mexicans. They are OTMs other than Mexicans. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, actually, there are people coming to this country from uh, China and Russia and Ukraine and other countries. Um, it's a mess. This country is a mess. But the, the point I'm saying is that the Muslims in America are good people, but they have an agenda to make America a Muslim country. The, the Muslim agenda is kill the Jew on Saturday, kill the Christian on Sunday. Even if it's only 10% terrorists and 90% peacekeeping people, 10% means out of 30 million, there are 3 million terrorists and they are all armed. Mm -hmm. oh. But and, the thing that uh, concerns me yeah. is so many people in the normal walk of life here in America do not take this seriously. They don't. They, it's, it's ignorance. It they is think, ignorance. though, that it's a figment of some fanatical uh, imagination. imagination. <laughs> yes, Tommy, that's right. If you'll allow me, uh, I have a testimony from 1999, and it's in my third book, the Red Book, uh, Islamic Threat Updates Almanac, uh -huh. uh, from, from 2003, right after the 9-11 attacks. I was in Edmonton, Canada. And uh, actually, I was in an Orthodox synagogue, a uh, Jewish synagogue, and there was a Christian woman attending the Orthodox Jewish synagogue on Shabbat because Jesus went to synagogue on Shabbat. Mm -hmm. He didn't go to church. There were no Baptist churches. Right. There were no churches. <laughs> anyway, so I'll make this long story very short. This woman was a social worker for the government of Canada, and she was a caseworker for an Egyptian Muslim uh, woman doctor who was a very saintly woman. And when she got her visa to move to Canada, the terrorists uh, from her mosque in Cairo came to her and said, you're going to work for us. And she said, what does that mean? Well, you're going to collect all the names, addresses, and telephone numbers of Jews and Christians married to Jews and Christians who are pro-Israel, any Christian who smells of the, has any fragrance of the Jews, and you're going to collect the information, you're going to give it to us, and we're going to kill them, all of them, uh, when a war breaks out in the Middle East. Now, you know, we... I've been talking about wars for 31 years. Praise God, we have not had a really, really major war. Right. But what's cooking now with Iran, unless we have some kind of a popular revolution in Iran, which overthrows that regime, which I pray to God happens, because we love the Iranian Amen. people. Uh, the problem is the crazy Ayatollah regime. But if a major war breaks out, 
uh, and or if Hezbollah in Lebanon at the behest of Iran launches missiles and Gaza launches missiles and Syria attacks and others attack, uh, there will be a war on American soil and the Muslims who live around the Jewish communities and the Muslims who go to work for Jews, they know who the Jews are, uh, are going to come out killing the Jews. And uh, like I said, 80% of the Jews marry Christians. You gotta kill the Christian spouse too. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about an immediate uh, death sentence for 10 million Jews and Christians. And if these people survive and move to Israel, my party will be the biggest party. So at this point, it looks like, you know, we're definitely down and we'll never be in, the, in our Knesset, we'll never be elected. But uh, I, I'm confident, I, I think I understand what God is trying to do. And uh, the only thing I want is to do what God wants me to do. Amen. And when Christians say to me, how can we pray for you? I said, let God's will be done on earth and in heaven. Mm -hmm. Because if it's God's will, it's gonna happen Amen. with me or without me. And yeah. if it's not God's will, it doesn't matter who's gonna do it, it's not gonna That's happen. Right. You're talking about the illegal aliens that's coming into the U.S. Right. <clears throat> I was watching the news one night, and they said in the month of May, there was 186,000 of them come across the border into Texas. Right. In 30 days. Well, Texas is the greatest place on earth. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Well. <laughs> but, uh, uh, no, but uh, you know what? I want to tell you something. I, um, in addition to this swamp uh, mindset in Washington. Um, a country like America is a magnet for immigration. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And these people, many of them, I don't want to say most, I think it's possible to say most, eventually get jobs and this country grows and grows and grows. Mm -hmm. So I think across the board, uh, Republicans and Democrats are in favor of more and more immigration. But the point I'm saying is you have to screen the immigrants to make sure you're not getting in the terrorists. That's right. What, what those people are doing, they're coming across and going to wait here till they supposedly have a court date. And uh, when they get over here, they move to Florida, they move to Chicago, and all over the country. Over. They, uh, won't, they won't come back for a court date. Uh, I, it is true. This is a, a complete uh, um, uh, anarchy. Mm -hmm. complete anarchy. Yeah. Uh, the crazy thing is, if you're a farmer and you have cows, every one of your cows has to be marked and computerized. Yeah. You know, the government knows everything about your cows That's or right. your sheep or whatever. Mm -hmm. But human beings, it doesn't matter. Or, uh, you know, with the voting, for example, people don't need an ID to vote, but right. uh, you want to go buy a bottle of a beer, you have to show that you're 21. Uh, you know, so and you have to have a proof that you can uh, mm -hmm. buy the beer. So, mm -hmm. like, but voting, no voting, uh, can be done with a mimeographed uh, mouth you know, copy. That's right. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh goodness. God save how, America. Yes. How how will we? I don't know. Ever convince the church? Um, I guess the only thing we can do is ask God to open the ears of of believers everywhere to have um, to wake up to the fact of what's going on in America and around the world but particularly in America and and the what you've just described is certainly going to happen unless the church really wakes up and takes a stand I have to tell you uh, from my experience and I have my experience going back to 1990 
uh, when President, former President George Herbert Walker Bush was uh, president. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, he had a tradition, the, fam the Bush family had a tradition of being anti-Semitic. Yes. And uh, he was Republican. Yes. And so the Republicans voted for him. Mm -hmm. uh, but then Clinton came in. Mm -hmm. And Clinton, you know, I could spend two hours just talking about President Clinton. Uh, but then George W. Bush came in, also Republican, good president, but also very pro-Islamic, mm -hmm. uh, pro-Saudi. That's right. Uh, then Obama came in. And Obama... Uh, Something I think very interesting we could talk about if you want. I don't know. I, I'm not attacking Obama, but what I'm saying is, uh, I had, uh, I don't know if you heard of uh, Carl Gallup's. Uh, he's a Baptist uh, pastor in Florida. And he heard a show I did with uh, Prophecy Watchers mm -hmm. and uh, that uh, Obama was a Sunni Muslim. But then the question was um, if he's a Sunni Muslim, why did he give $150 billion to Iran? you know, for the nuclear project and okay. terrorism and everything. Mm -hmm. And you know what? It's kind of like this week the Lord spoke to me because I was with a group actually of Jewish people. I said, we don't understand it. We don't understand it. How could it be that Obama's a Shiite, is a Sunni, but he supports Shiite Iran? And then I said, no. Uh, it's like I got hit by lightning. God said this to me. He said, no, Obama wants to kill two birds with one stone. Mm -hmm. He gives the money to Iran in unlimited support, money and everything, why? To destroy Israel. Right. Because he That's is a Sunni. Mm -hmm. Then Israel will destroy Iran. Mm -hmm. So Israel will destroy the Shiites, which will make Obama happy. The Shiites will destroy Israel, which will make Obama happy. And praise God that until now, none of that happened. Uh, and then Trump came in, and President Trump was the best thing that ever happened to Israel. Yeah. I think also the best thing that ever happened to the United States. I think elections were stolen. Right. And I'm hoping that, uh, you know, I'm not allowed to talk politics here. <laughs> but I, I, I think that, um, that you know, I, I will say one thing, that the, the policies of the Democrats and the policies of the Israeli Labor Party and the left in Israel are policies which have always encouraged war yes. by showing how weak we were, mm -hmm. how weak the U.S. was, mm -hmm. how weak Israel was. And when you have a uh, Likud government, everyone's shaking, everyone's afraid under Netanyahu. Uh, or President Trump, you know, like, then what happens is Trump pulls out of Afghanistan, Trump pulls out of Iraq, so say, you know what, he's more of a softy than Democrats, and Democrats will come back with the military and attack again, you know. So, uh, you have, who started the Vietnam War for America? A Democrat, uh, the JFK, uh, and then Lyndon Johnson. He's a good man, but from Texas, you know, so he had to be a good yeah. man. But uh, the, the thing is, sometimes you're very, very surprised uh, that there are things that are not logical, right? But in the eyes of God and His and God's plan, things become very logical. Mm -hmm. So uh, now we have to see uh, if Biden is uh, sur surrendering uh, to the Iranians and uh, wanting to renew the uh, nuclear uh, discussion, yes. which I think is never going to happen, uh, the, uh, never succeed. Um, and there are people. Uh, the agreement to end the sanctions is that what you're talking about? to end the sanctions. Uh, also, there are s Democratic uh, representatives in Congress, uh, senators in, uh, who want to stop aid to Israel. Oh, yes. And for some reason, Several. you know, people throughout the world are going to say, these Americans throw their allies under the bus every time. Seems like it. And the U.S. Mm -hmm. did it to the Shah of Iran in uh, mm -hmm. 1979. Oh, yes. Also Democratic Big administration. Yes. And uh, Berzhezhinsky and, uh, and uh, uh, Jimmy Carter. So, you know, I look at the uh, different... Uh, 
coalitions politically. And uh, on the one hand, I'm concerned. On the other hand, I have absolute faith in God in the end that, that this is something that will be for good. I tell you, if, if you read your Bible at all, you won't be surprised at all these things that are happening. And, and um, if you're interested, God will start putting the pieces together for you. And you'll understand, wow, this is part of his plan he laid out in the Old Testament. And Jesus confirmed in the New and all the apostles. And um, we're living in very interesting times, but very critical times for believers. And this is the time for you to make sure that your faith is solidly in the Lord Jesus Christ and that nothing is gonna shake that faith no matter what happens. Like David said, if the mountains tremble and fall into the sea, that's okay. God's in control, paraphrasing of course. But today is the day to make a decision I will be faithful to the God of Abraham who is faithful to me. So, sorry, had to throw no, no, that in. <laughs> you know what, you inspired me now to talk a little bit. I was in synagogue yesterday, mm -hmm. and yesterday's reading from the Torah was from Deuteronomy 8. And um, it says, the day will come. Uh, he's talking about the Israelites entering uh -huh. the land of Canaan, mm -hmm. and they will have houses uh, right. which Canaanites built, and, but mm -hmm. they the Israelites conquered it. Mm -hmm. uh, they'll have vineyards, uh, they will have flocks, they will have wealth, they will have gold. Uh, and then when the Israelites have everything they could possibly want, they will shake their fist up at God. They forget all about him. And forget about God and say, we did it by the power of our own hand. Mm -hmm. This is Deuteronomy 8. Mm -hmm. And what did uh, President Clinton have on his desk in Washington? He said, hey, it's the economy, stupid. Yeah. So anyone who says, hey, it's the economy, Dumbest stupid, thing. we should say, no, stupid. It's not the economy. That's it's right. God That's right. who gave us the ability mm -hmm. to attain the wealth. That's what it says in Deuteronomy. Mm -hmm. God yes. says, but it is because the power I gave you to attain the wealth that you attain the wealth. Mm -hmm. And God can take it away just like that. Absolutely. And so I just, if I, I hope it's okay that I share a Jewish teaching from uh, yesterday's synagogue. Absolutely, because uh, it's always fitting. Yeah, uh, yeah. Over the past two weeks, I've been studying in the book of Judges, and over and over <laughs> and over in Judges, the Israelis would have problems, and the Lord would help them. The Israelis would have problems, and the Lord would help them. So, I have to say, how stupid can these people be? Because when they are fighting against Israel, they're fighting against the Lord, and He knows how to fight. And <laughs> but all of this is, is described. All of this is described in the Bible. It is. Uh, if you Every remember bit. the battle with Amalek, mm -hmm. uh, God says to Moses, "Raise your arms up," and He got tired raising His arms mm -hmm. up. He said, "When you raise your arms up, you're going to have the victory. When you get tired and the arms go down." then the uh, Amalekites are going to win. Mm -hmm. so he needed some friends he to come did. and praise <laughs> yeah. so Aaron, Aaron and Hur, Hur came and held his arms up until yeah. the battle was over. Uh -huh. And um, we have to really look up to God uh, for salvation and also for victory. Amen. So. Absolutely. What do you know about the 
Israeli ship that they flew the drones into and killed two crew members. Okay, uh, firstly, there is a tit-for-tat struggle going on yes. with the Iranians. Uh, the Iranians are developing weapons. Yes. Israel is developing weapons. Mm -hmm. And so each time uh, they up the ante, you know, each time it gets mm -hmm. a little more uh, uh, strident. Mm -hmm. um, and like I said before, at this time, we see uh, the leaderships in Europe and in America basically staying silent. And Israel is coming to the understanding that it's all alone. I wanted to say something also, a very important piece of history. Um, we love the United States. You know, we Israelis uh, feel mm -hmm. tied at the hip with the United mm -hmm. States. Um, after the 1956 uh, Sinai campaign, uh, and if you remember, we took Sinai in 1956. We right. took Sinai we in 1949 also. Mm -hmm. 1956, and President Eisenhower said, I'm going to make a deal with you guys. You guys pull out, go back to the borders of 1949, and if you ever have a problem with the Egyptians again, the U.S. Sixth Fleet is going to go in and, and defend you. Mm -hmm. So the Israelis said, okay, you know, Israel in 1956 was a a small country, a new country, mm -hmm. a very weak country. Uh, and then when Abdel Nasser became uh, president of Egypt, uh, and then in 1967, um, before the Six-Day War, he put in heavy artillery in the Straits of Tehran, the southern tip of uh, Sinai, to blast any Israeli ship out of the water. Now, th those waters are international waters, so that is a an act of war. Yes. So the Israeli government came to, it was then President uh, Johnson, and said, you know, we've got this piece of paper signed by President Eisenhower, a contract, you know, that if we are about to be attacked by Egypt or by anyone, the Sixth Fleet comes in and defends us. And we had something called the three weeks of waiting in May of 1967. And we were waiting and waiting and waiting for the State Department to find their copy. And they, they never found their copy. So we had the Six-Day War because Israel realized, in spite of American promises, that we're all alone. Mm -hmm. And I think we are all alone now also. I think you are too. Except for a few Christians mm -hmm. like you guys who stand with Israel because that's at the heart of your faith. Mm -hmm. And we Israelis need to bless you and to encourage you to st stand strong in your faith because your faith in the end is our faith. It is. And we... Like you say, we are tied at the hip. Yes. We're, we're family. We are family. And uh, I know a lot of families are dysfunctional, <laughs> which is very sad. But um, you stand with family. You stand with family. If you are grafted in to the body of Christ, then you are grafted in to Israel. And um, the Bible makes that very plain. And so, I don't know, what's not to understand about it? <laughs> do you remember the little bracelets that Christians would wear? What would Jesus do? Yes. WWJD. Yeah. Uh -huh. And I, I mean, that. if you remember that Jesus was Jewish. He was. Uh, and he was a rabbi. And uh, what would he do now if he were president of the United States? What would he do regarding Israel? Would he let Israel be destroyed, or would he stand no. with Israel? He so a Christian stand. has to stand with Israel, period. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, any other questions? 
The Bible tells us that you know if you bless Israel, you'll be blessed. He does. What do they not understand? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When we've been over there on tours with Alan Tommy, the all the Jewish people just thank you for coming. They're so glad that we're there. That somebody's standing with. And not it's not just the uh, general public, but even a rabbi or two. I mean, we know they're Jewish and they know we're Christian. They still thank us for coming to Israel. And standing with them. I think it's such a horrible pity that this uh, COVID-19 coronavirus mm -hmm. has stopped all the tourism to Israel for the last year and a half. Yes. And my son Aaron, like uh, you had him last week on your show, mm -hmm. like I said before, um, he has no tours coming to Israel. Uh, a lot of our travel agencies shut down. Um, and he's coming to the States because he's maintaining contact with right. all the tour groups that he has brought in the past. Mm -hmm. And he's getting them ready for the day. The day will come that the doors will open. Opens. And we want, you know, the Christians to come home and visit with us, be with us. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I'm, I'm optimistic that the tourism will be it renewed. Will. It yeah. I started to say, it seems like that just as the tourism got started back, then this new wave, I, I really don't want to say rumor because... There's been some real unfortunate incidences in, in our own lives with our own friends where COVID claimed the life. So it yeah. is a very real problem. But I, I don't think we need to just close ourselves off. We all need to just believe God and trust the Lord and carry on. Mm -hmm. um, I, I hate to see Israel and the U.S. totally shut down again over this. Yes. Well, uh, uh, Prime Minister uh, Naftali Bennett uh, has come out and said we will not shut down at all. Not the uh, airport. Uh, we will not shut down the Good. economy. Um, you know, I, I, have to tell you, I have to tell you uh, uh, my own personal story. Uh, I was at my lawyer's office around Christmas time 2019 and there was this uh, Chinese lady who wanted to build uh, not built to uh, have a Chinese restaurant in Jerusalem. So she needed the paperwork and the lawyer and everything. So mm -hmm. she was waiting for her lawyer. I was waiting for my lawyer in the same office. And she was standing next to me. And we're talking for like half an hour. And because uh, I love Chinese food. And, and, <laughs> I and, do and, too. Yeah, by, by, by the way, I have to tell you a joke. I know I, I shouldn't be telling jokes. But oh, that's fine. We have a joke. Which nation is older, the Jews or the Chinese? Well, the Chinese, of course. Can you imagine Jews existing without Chinese restaurants? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so she wanted to put up a Chinese restaurant, and we had a very nice talk. And uh, I went home. The next day, I was sick. Uh-oh. And what happened was, uh, at, during this Christmas time in Jerusalem, there were many, many choirs of uh, Christian believers from China, uh, Korea, mm -hmm. Japan, mm -hmm. uh, from the... And they were, you know, singing uh, Christmas carols going up and down Ben Yehuda Street. Oh. And um, uh, you remember Joe Good. Oh, he was here just a couple of weeks ago. Right. And uh, I stayed in his house for two weeks. Did you? In my last trip. And he told, you know the story about his daughter. Yes. Yeah. So the daughter and the mother and father, Deborah and uh, Joe Good, they, they were in um, uh, Jerusalem at the same time. Mm -hmm. Christmas 2019. Mm-hmm. And they all got the sick. Mm -hmm. 
And then uh, on the plane going home, uh, she got really bad. When she got home to Houston, they put her in the hospital and she That's died right. there. That's right. So I think that this COVID was floating around already from October. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I was on my back two weeks. Um, uh, then my wife was on her back two weeks. And you met my wife, uh, yes, Rachel. Rachel. She is so much into supplements. Uh, our, we have two Bibles in the house. We have the Bible and we have Nutritional Healing by Phyllis Bouch. I'm, I'm guilty. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and uh, we take so many supplements and zinc piculinate, mm -hmm. which is very good for to prevent sure. COVID or heal it. Um, um, vitamin C, vitamin D, vitamin A, all these different vitamins. Um, and there are the medicines that nobody wants to talk about, like hexachlor, right. uh, what uh, President uh, Trump took, uh -huh. hexachloroquine. Uh, and, and then there's something else, ivermectin or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, there are so many things that can be taken to stop this thing, uh, to heal it, you know, and prevent all of this from happening. Um, but the point I'm saying is that uh, I came back to the States in June a year ago. And so I think I had COVID in, in December and January uh, a year and a half ago. And I got to, uh, to uh, Texas and I got a stomachache. And they said that people were saying that was also, you know, COVID. <laughs> then I went home and my doctor said to me, you've got to get the vaccinations. And everyone said, no, don't get the vaccination. Now, what happened was I didn't want to get the vaccinations. My wife didn't want to get the vaccinations, but what happened was we we're having elections in Israel. Mm -hmm. And I was invited to travel to Eilat in the south of Israel to campaign with a Christian group there. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but they don't know me, so I have to spend the night in a hotel. And so all the hotels in Eilat were closed to people who were not vaccinated. So I said, God Almighty, God in heaven, you want to take me? You're going to take me. I've got to take that vaccine because I've got a campaign mm -hmm. all over the country, mm -hmm. also in the north of Israel. Right. It's also a three-hour drive mm -hmm. in each direction. And um, so I took the vaccine. To tell you the truth, I think the vaccine was good for me. Okay. Um, other people in my party, the Bible block, have refused to take the vaccine. So we have decided all together, we support anyone who wants the vaccine, and we support anyone who does not want the vaccine, mm -hmm. but it shouldn't be mandated. No. It shouldn't be obligatory. I think you're right. Um, by the way, my wife said, I'm not taking the vaccine. And uh, what happened was there was a reunion, like a class reunion of hers at a hotel in the Dead Sea. <laughs> she got the vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> then she came yeah. with me to the States four months ago. So, uh -huh. so uh, we're doing okay. You know, we're still here. <laughs> And I just hope she doesn't kill me, but that's something yeah. else. Well, that's so we funny. was in Israel on a tour yeah. in January, in January. Of 2020. And uh, about a week after we got home, they closed the airports over there. Right, right. Yeah. We got out just in time. Well, I, I disagree with that. I wouldn't have minded a longer stay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yes. You know, I have to tell you something. Uh, you know, that we have talk now, that pro and con in Israel about shutting the airport again. And uh, it would mean I'd have, you, you guys would be stuck with me. But still, <laughs> uh, we could handle it. <laughs> yeah, we probably could handle it. <laughs> hey, listen, I have a good time in America. I have a good time in Israel. Wherever I am, I have a good time. I so. know you have a gift for talking. Yeah. So it would be interesting. <laughs> and telling jokes. But, yes. not, but not in the presence of my wife, because Rachel says, I heard that joke a thousand times already. Mm -hmm. so. <laughs>
I would say, well, we'll never tell her, but it, yeah. of course it's obvious if she oh, watches. She knows. <laughs> yeah. What happens then sure. when people come to Israel and say, oh, we saw your husband on such and such, and he talked about you, and it was this and this and this. She knows. Well, yeah. I'm sure she does. And they might even repeat the joke, huh? Yes, yes. <laughs> of course. <laughs> also, what has happened many times is when I'm in a church, I say terrible things about my wife because it's part of the act. You know, it's like Rodney Dangerfield. Yes. Mm -hmm. He would say, I don't get no respect, not my wife, not my mother-in-law, not my children. So then when they meet my wife, they say, she's so sweet. And you say, it's just like the dragon lady, you know, she's so sweet. So. It's part of the act. Yeah. She knows. Mm -hmm. Yes, we're glad she knows, and she plays along with the act. Yeah. Once I was in a church, and uh, I said, you know why I'm such an expert on Islamic terrorism? Because I'm married to it. <laughs> <laughs> and she'd be in the front row looking at me, you know, like, what's this guy saying? Exactly. You know? mm -hmm. Oh, well, I'm, I'm glad she shares you with us. Yes, yes. Well, uh, you know, I will be very, very honest with you. Um, for the last 31 years, I've been traveling to the States. Yes. And uh, one of the main reasons that I traveled to the States was because God shut all the doors in my face in Israel uh, because the country that was not giving me a job uh, was led by socialists. Uh -huh. And when I, when I was fired from the prime minister's office, I was so, supposed to get tenure. And they said to me, we know your political views. You'll never get tenure. Ah. And we're going to fire you, and we're going to put lies in your file. You will never get a job in Israel. That's and, ridiculous. And, well, that's what they did to me. But that's, they do that. That's common practice, isn't it? Well, anyway, so who opened the doors for me? First, God opened the doors. Mm -hmm. Through whom? Yes. Yes. Through you guys, through mm -hmm. the Christians. Yeah. And I'm very pleased that God has allowed the doors to open for me in the Christian churches. Wow. Yeah. He does wonderful things, doesn't he? <laughs> he is so amazing. It's all for good. It is, yes. and that, that's what it says. How long are you going to be over here? Uh, well, now that my son is going back to Israel, oh. uh, I have a month all to myself, and so I'll be here till about the 31st of August. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, have some very, I have a very interesting uh, uh, meeting, hopefully, uh, in San Angelo on Wednesday. Will this be aired by Wednesday or not? I don't know. Oh, okay. Um, and... I, they asked permission to publicize it on the San Angelo television. I said, okay. And uh, I spoke to the producer and everything. He said that you're going to have a lot of uh, intelligence and military people coming to hear you. Mm -hmm. I, I know already. Sure. So, um, you're probably kind of used to that, aren't you? Yes, absolutely. I mm -hmm. look forward to it mm -hmm. because America is, is not only our, our ally, America is our, the other hip <laughs> that we're tied to. And... Um, there is no country in the world like America. I heard a teaching when I first started in the churches 30 years ago, which got me very angry. Because we Jewish people are very, very much wisdom people. We believe in oh, wisdom. Yes. Mm -hmm. And um, the pastor got up, this is in New Braunfels, Texas. And the pastor got up and said uh, that the foolishness of the Lord is greater than the wisdom of man. Mm -hmm. And for us Jewish people, that's a cop-out, because it's like saying, you know, it doesn't matter what we think, because we, we're not worth anything. That's, that's how the Jews <laughs> interpret it. Okay. And, uh, you know, I've got this struggle inside of me to figure out what is the value of this, because this is in Proverbs. It's not just in the New Testament. Right. And what I want to share is, is a few points that are very important. Uh, 200 years ago, there was a German philosopher 
by name of Heinrich Heine. And Heinrich Heine said 200 years ago that the world is going to have to choose between the foolishness of the Americans in 1820, foolishness of the Americans, and the despotism and tyranny of the Russians. Wow. This is before communism. Uh -huh. You had the Tsar in uh -huh. Russia, uh -huh. and you had you know, these pioneers mm -hmm. in the Appalachian Mountains mm -hmm. in 1820. Then there was uh, Alexis de Tocqueville, and mm -hmm. he was a Frenchman uh, who came to figure out who are these Americans, because there was no democracy on Earth right. except for America. Actually, the Swiss get very angry with me, because it was in a weird democracy going back to the 13th century. Okay, they have their democracy. But uh, uh, the American form of democracy is something very special. And Alexis de Tocqueville, 200 years ago, also right. said that the American people will be the greatest people on earth because the American people are good people mm -hmm. and their pulpits are on fire for the Lord. Mm -hmm. Conversely, when America's pulpits are no longer on fire for the Lord, America will lose its preeminence in the world, which is where we are now. That's exactly where we are. Well, America has a lot of feel-good preachers. No, no, we have, uh, America has fantastic preachers. but well, the, there and, are and, some. And, you know, and I would say 70% of the American people uh, declare themselves as Christians, which is mm -hmm. already still the majority. But a lot They're, of our pulpits are full of, I'm okay, you're okay, we're all okay, we love the time. Lord. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and it's good they love the Lord, but... So, but I just wanted to conclude, you know, with one sentence. You know how you throw a cat in the air? It always lands on its feet. feet. That's America. That's right. <laughs> uh, as long as America is foolish in the Lord, it will always be world power number one. Uh -huh. When you take uh, God, when you take the Bible, and you'll allow me to say when you take Jesus Christ out of your lives in America. That's right. America will no That's longer nothing. be foolish in the Lord. That's America right. will just be foolish. That's right. That's right. And I as a Jew right. am working for a Christian revival <laughs> because you guys have to have a revival <laughs> for the you. good of America and the good of Israel. That's right. Yes. We do. And the moment mm -hmm. you turn your backs on God, and I saw the Democratic Party uh, convention where they said, let's put God in the... Uh, Take him out of and, the platform. And everybody was booing. Let's put in Israel. Everybody was booing. Uh, this is the, the, the government we have now. And they're trying to stop aid, military aid to Israel. They're trying to... Uh, the greatest ally of America is That's Israel. Right. That's right. So uh, I, I made a vow 31 years ago, if you remember the story of the Dallas Council on World Affairs, that I would work for a Christian revival because if, it, if you have Christian America and you have anti-Christian America. Yes. And if anti-Christian America rules this country, it'll be horrible for Israel. It'll be horrible for America also. It will. It surely will. Absolutely. Yes. We're seeing signs of that. You know, I have to tell you a little story. Um, it's a, from a year ago, but we haven't met since then. Um, I was in Florida and uh, beautiful lady friend of mine said to me, there's this guy, he's your admirer, he wants to have dinner with you. I said, okay. So we had dinner. And uh, I didn't know he was a neo-Nazi. He was with the militias. And I worked with the militias. I worked with many militias. I was at the Tea Party during the Obama years. Uh, always been a strong supporter of the Christian right. And we sat down, we had dinner for two hours. I, I didn't know he was a neo-Nazi. Everything we spoke, conservative. And, and then he said to me, 
what do you think about defund the police? I said, well, that's horrible because you have all this crime now, rampant mm -hmm. crime. Cities are melting down, they're being destroyed. It's terrible. He said, no, no, it's not, it's good. And he said, why is it good? And uh, I, I said to him, why is it good? He said, because you see, before the George Floyd killing, and we all mm -hmm. abhorred the killing of George yes. Floyd. Yes. We had three million members in our militias. We now have 30 million. Oh. If you don't have police, you're gonna have militias. Mm -hmm. And he said to me, you know, Avi, you're a good Jew because you talk like us. You're right wing, you're conservative, <laughs> you know, we agree on everything, he said to me. He said, but there are 70% of the Jews who vote Democrat. Those are traitors. And uh, we have to kill them all. Oh my I said goodness. like this, I said, what? Are you a neo-Nazi? He said, yes. I got up and I left the table. Mm -hmm. And I've reported on this back to the government in Israel. I said, now you've got, we spoke before about the 30 million Muslims mm -hmm. in America, mm -hmm. of which 3 million are terrorists, 90% peacekeeping sure. people. You've got the militias, 30 million. I don't say all of them. I say mm -hmm. just maybe 10%, maybe 3 million yeah. would want to kill the Jews. Mm -hmm. That's already 6 million with guns and ammunition. Mm -hmm. And Jews don't have guns because Jews don't believe in it. Mm -hmm. I mean, now some mm -hmm. Jews are beginning to learn how to use uh, arms to defend themselves. Mm -hmm. Then you have the Black Lives Matter. The Blacks, Black Lives Matter is an offshoot of Islam. They started it. Mm -hmm. Then you have the Antifa, or communist anarchists. They'll kill Christians and Jews, anyone who believes in God. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So this, this country is going to go down the tubes unless there's a strong Christian revival immediately. And I have to tell you, last week, I, what's the craziest state in the Union? California. Mm -hmm. And they said, Avi, we need you because we are starting a, a very big revival. And so I, I'm already booked this trip. I said, October, November, I'll come back. I'll spend as much time in California as you guys need. Of course, Texas goes first. <laughs> but um, uh, I've been to California a lot. Yeah. I think we'll be happy to let you go to California because we see the need. Yes, yes. Yeah. Lord knows the need. Yes. And, um, and I love California. I love people. I do too. Uh, we love everyone there. Uh, I haven't been in uh, Chuck Missler territory up in Idaho and Washington State and Oregon. Uh, my friends in Canada want to kill me, you know, but, but I said the, the borders are closed. Now they're opening the borders little by little. So I have a lot of work to do. Wherever, I, do. Throw, wherever I throw a stone, there are 30 churches. That's you know, right. So it's nice. That's great. And so many times we let the fanatical define what we think. Mm -hmm. And it's like you just said a little while ago, there's so many times that the good people, wherever they are, are getting hurt. On one of the trips, we went to Israel with Al and Tommy and passed after um, there hadn't been much to, uh, tourism at all. It was several years ago now. Uh, a nice little Arabic lady came up to me in the cafeteria and grabbed my hand with both hers. And she said, I am so glad that you came because we all need it. She yes. said, we're all in this together, and we're so happy to see the tours open up again. And she was as happy to have us there as the Jewish people were. And Harold is friends with one of the shopkeepers in the Arab Quarter, and he said, we all hurt when Israel hurts. Um, and here, we, we let the fanaticals define well, like the people in California, they're not all fanatical. No, they're, not. they're not all off on a bad agenda. There's good people there. 
It's just that the news plays up all the crazy ones. Mm -hmm. and, and we see the bad side of the situation without realizing how many good, honest people are getting hurt so bad That's right. in the process of this. I think also what we're seeing uh, in America today is a lot of the uh, minorities are solidly going over to the uh, pro-right uh, groups, really? mm -hmm. saying that what we have now is not good for the country. They right. are. Mm -hmm. Many are. So anyway, so it looks like, you know, I had a lot of work, you know, during the Obama years. <laughs> I have a lot of work now again. Well, keep working. Yeah. That's in addition to Israel. That's because right. I have, to cr I have to bring my party into power in Israel. So. That's right. That's right. And in the Bible, I really don't recall God talking about minorities of any race or color. Um, he, he says in the Lord, there's, there's no male, there's no female, there's no Jew, there's no Gentile. Uh, people are either believers or they are not. Uh, I have to tell you that the um, people who left Egypt and were at Mount Sinai, and everybody heard God. Mm -hmm. Everyone heard his everybody. voice. That's right. I don't know if you know this or not, but there were many, many slaves who were not yes. Hebrews, mm -hmm. blacks from Africa. Mm -hmm. And they came with us uh, into the desert into and then into the land of Israel. Mm -hmm. uh, there's another thing in my yellow book, my book about Mecca, Return to Mecca. Uh, there is information. I, I did research, and I found Greek authors from 3rd, 4th century B.C., Wow. And they were talking, yes, they were talking about armies of uh, lepers. You see, the uh, slaves in Egypt, they would be stomping in the mud mm -hmm. to make the bricks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of these people developed leprosy. Mm -hmm. And uh, because the whole thing was so unhygienic. Mm -hmm. And uh, so the first thing Pharaoh would do, he would take these uh, people who got leprosy and send them into leper colonies in the desert to die. Mm -hmm. And uh, Moses... Uh, who had a heart for these people, became the general. So when the Israelites and the other slaves, who were not Israelites, uh, left uh, to go into Arabia, you know, where the Mount Sinai is, uh, a lot of these lepers came also. Mm -hmm. That's why you have in the Torah two weekly readings uh, talking about leprosy. Really? Because this is... It's, Leprosy is not a mythical thing. Leprosy it's really not. It was an Egyptian sickness because mm -hmm. of those people who worked in the mud pits. And uh, so it's interesting to see that the, there were no minorities. Right. Nice. It's like COVID. It's not yeah. choicey on who it is. And hits. the commandments that God gave to the Israelites applied to, the, uh, to these non-Israelites who were considered uh, either converts or people coming to live with us. Mm -hmm. That's right. Well, Jesus said that whosoever will may come. So it doesn't matter what color you are, what nation you're from, Amen. what age you are, who your family name is. If God is calling you, you come.
Well, welcome back to our second hour with Avi Lipkin, uh, Lois and Holiday. <laughs> Lois and Harold Holiday have joined me in this wonderful experience to host Avi. We're so happy to have you, Avi, back from Israel and enjoying a little bit of time in the U.S. and <laughs> visiting Texas. Visiting Texas is like breathing the air of the free and the brave. <laughs> I don't think it could compare to what we feel when we go to Israel. But I don't either, Tommy. Not, not, <laughs> not, not at to all. contradict the guests. Yeah, right. But you know that Texas and Israel are the same latitude. We are. Yes. We are. And there are so right. many similarities. Elevation. Israel's a microcosm. Mm -hmm. Elevation it, here is about like Jerusalem. Yeah. Also, the hill country of Texas mm -hmm. is like Jerusalem. Uh, Tel Aviv is like Houston. Yeah. Uh, you know, so you have different places. And of course, you know, we have the desert. Like a lot. Yeah. And you have a desert, <laughs> uh, a mini desert, which is only like four hours to cross it. Israel, you cross the desert in about 15 minutes. But Israel is a small country, and it has some of everything. It yeah. has a desert. Yeah. It has the tropical down at the Dead Sea. It has Jerusalem that's situated in the top of the mountains. There's the snow skiing uh -huh. uh, on Mount, Mount Hermon. Um, there's a little bit of everything in Israel. If, mm. if you don't like it, well... Just change a little bit of your location. You can go to the Mediterranean in Tel Aviv and the markets in Joppa and get this beautiful fruit. Um, I just like Israel. You know, I have to tell you, my wife and I were very fortunate. At age 57, uh, we were able to build a house out in the desert, halfway between Jerusalem and the Dead Sea. Uh -huh. And... Um, I mean, Israel's just so big, so much driving. <laughs> it's about a 15-minute drive from the middle of Jerusalem to our house, yeah. in the middle of the desert. And when you come to my house, you have to be very careful because we have camels. We have donkeys. Oh, how neat. <laughs> desert foxes on that road, you know. Uh -huh. And, you know, I would go walking around my community, and uh, I'd see the foxes, you know, right there, you know, running around and everything. And I said to the the head of the area, you know, council, I said, I'm, I'll take my pistol, I'll just shoot those foxes. You know, I said, no, 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 they're, pr <laughs> they're protected, you can't touch them. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but, and, you know, uh, you ever hear a donkey braying? Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. We have a donkey braying every morning. We pray he brays. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, chickens, uh, mm -hmm. Bedouins, they're just on the other side of the, uh, this oh, little okay. ravine, mm -hmm. but we hear everything that's going on there. Mm -hmm. It's like an amphitheater. And, uh, and yet we look up to the northwest and we see the towers of Mount of Olives, Mount Scopus, uh -huh. you know, and French Hill. Yeah. Uh, as the crow flies, it's about seven miles. Wow. And, uh, but we're in the middle of the desert. And if you go seven miles to the east, you're at the Dead Sea. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's it, really beautiful. The desert starts right at the east side of Jerusalem. Right. As you go down, mm -hmm. straight right. down the hill. And one of my favorite vacations of all times has been when we stayed at a hotel right down in the desert. Oh, yeah. They had this marvelous feast laid out for <laughs> dinner that night uh, under an awning that looked like a Bedouin tent. Uh -huh. And later yeah. that evening, some Israeli soldiers were staying there, and there was a big round fire pit. And they sat around that fire pit and sang Israeli folk songs. 
just clapping their hands. One of them had a guitar. And that was just amazing to me. Um, we've done a lot of things. And thanks to Al and Tommy, <laughs> we made a lot of trips to Israel. Mm. But that was one of my favorite times of all, just the stars, the desert, and those soldiers singing. I don't remember the name of the place, but it had been a British base when they was there in the now, I don't they remember left. it either. Then it was a nice kibbutz. Yeah. But, they'd, uh, but all, our, all our tours were so special with all the yes. people who mm -hmm. went on those tours. And we, we treasure those memories. And I treasure oh, I the do. pictures. And mm -hmm. oh my, biblical Israel is awesome. <laughs> Harold and I say, we need to travel. And he says, let's go to Israel. <laughs> there you yeah. go. Still. And, January of 20, when we got to Israel, Mount Hermon was completely covered in snow. Oh, right. it was beautiful. It was really pretty. Yeah, Tommy was with us. Mm -hmm. It was yeah. awesome. It's just gorgeous. When uh, Gila, the tour guide, turned around and seen it, she had the bus stop. Anybody wanted to get out and take pictures, we took a few We'd pictures. We'd never seen it so That beautiful. covered, oh, that white. It was beautiful. just awesome. Well, you know, that's global warming. We have more and oh, more I snow know. every winter. I know, <laughs> <Yes>. I know. <laughs> and they'd had lots of rain, and the, I call it the Sea of Galilee, was full and running over. It was wonderful. The Jordan River was flooding in places that... Uh, <laughs> East of Jerusalem, they, I don't may have been there forever, but till the last two times we were there, I didn't know they had a baptismal deal there at the Jordan River. Right. Well, it had washed out mm -hmm. in 2020 when the river got up. Uh, you know, I have to tell you, uh, I'm changing the subject a little, but I'm sure. not. Uh, uh, Israel uh, has a population today of seven and a half million Jews and Christians. Mm -hmm. We have two million uh, Muslims who are Israeli mm -hmm. citizens. Mm -hmm. And we have uh, two million uh, uh, West Bank, Judea Samaria, mm -hmm. uh, Arabs, mm -hmm. mostly Muslims. Um, and the population has grown so much uh, over the last 70 years. 70 years ago, the Jewish population was 600,000. Today it's seven and a half million. Wow! And then you have all these Arabs, and then um, so the water uh, from the rains were uh, uh, not something you, you could count on. Right. right. Uh, there were years there was no rain. Mm -hmm. There were years there was too much rain. Mm -hmm. So the Israeli government decided uh, many years ago uh, to embark on a, a process known as desalination. Mm -hmm. Yes. And from what I understand today, there are five desalination plants along the Mediterranean, mm -hmm. and one or two in Eilat. And actually, today, 70% of the water that Israelis drink is desalinated water from the Mediterranean. Is that right? Because we couldn't count on the mm -hmm. rainwater. Mm -hmm. yeah. So last year, yes, we had a lot of rain and we had a lot of snow and everything. Like and here comes something very interesting. And I'm old enough to be able to tell. You know, I'm, I'm 72. I moved to Israel when I was 19, and I will never forget reading in the Jerusalem Post, uh, they have these interesting articles, you know, about Jordan mm -hmm. and Syria, mm -hmm. and that in Jordan, uh, the kitchen taps uh, had water for only two days of the week. Oh, my. In other words, there's no water in Jordan. It's mm -hmm. desert. Yeah. 
So when Prime Minister Rabin uh, made peace between Israel and Jordan, one of the deals was that we would provide Jordan with all its water needs. Wow. Today, there is water in the taps in Amman and Jordan mm -hmm. seven, uh, for 24 seven. Yes. Not only that, you remember the civil war in Syria. So mm -hmm. Jordan received 1.2 million refugees from Syria. Well, they needed water too. Mm -hmm. So Israel provides the water from the Sea of Galilee, but the Sea of Galilee gets uh, uh, desalinated water pumped into it by the Israeli uh, plants, you know, the, mm -hmm. the five Israeli desalination plants. Um, you know, I want to say something, I, I, I don't want to say prophetic or not, but you know, I, people are talking about the possibility of a war with Iran. Mm -hmm. right. Oh, absolutely. And, um, I love the people of Iran. The mm -hmm. people of Iran have a long history of being our allies. I think the vast majority of Iranian people are against what their leadership I is trying so. to do yes. with nuclear war and destroy mm -hmm. Israel and everything yes. like that. There are now riots in uh, Iran. Yeah. Why? Because you turn on the tap and mud comes out. Ooh. They don't have water. Mm -hmm. And people are literally dying, protesting, getting shot because they say, yeah. we don't have water. And I think to myself, it says in the Bible, in Genesis 12, 3, I will bless those who bless you and mm -hmm. curse those who curse you. Sure. Yes. And if the Iranians would just bless Israel instead of cursing, we would have these desalination plants all along their coast, mm -hmm. and Iran would have no problem with water. We would provide mm -hmm. all of Iran's water needs. Mm -hmm. But they insist on hating and killing and destroying mm -hmm. because their God is the devil. Their God is Satan. Mm -hmm. yeah. Our God is love. But the Iranians themselves are good people. They love, they want, you know, so I feel bad. I hope and pray the day will come that that regime will be gone. I hope that the Iranian people, I wish with the support of the American government, would overthrow those ayatollahs, um, become an, a rational nation again. Mm -hmm. And Israel will be more than happy to put up the desalination mm -hmm. plants and provide all the water that the mm -hmm. good Iranian people really need. But you're talking about, when you said Sea of Galilee was overflowing, <laughs> no, immediately yeah. clicked up here and I had to say yeah. it. So. Well, that wasn't it in 1988, it's when the, it got so low is when they found the boat up at Nafganasar. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, God is uh, testing us to see what we do in every situation. <laughs> yes. But yeah. I think because the Sea of Galilee was so low in 1988, that's when the Israeli government went into high gear yeah. with the desalination mm -hmm. plants. I thought that they was only giving Jordan half of the water out of the Jordan River. They must be giving them nearly all of it. Actually, actually, um, uh, Naftali Bennett, who is our prime minister mm -hmm. now, went to Amman, Jordan, sat down with King Abdullah, mm -hmm. and they drew up a new agreement because Jordan needs more water, and we yeah. provide it. Yeah. Wow. As part of the peace agreement. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. By the way, an interesting story that uh, was not in the American press. Uh, I make my living going to churches and telling what I pick up every day in the Israeli and Arabic press, which well, really, you don't get here. We don't. Uh, we um, don't. The Jordanian government arrested a few months ago uh, ISIS, ISIS terrorists in Jordan. Mm -hmm. Their plan was to ambush a Jordanian army patrol, kill the Jordanian soldiers, take their cars, their vehicles, their uniforms and everything, then pretend to be mm -hmm. Jordanian soldiers, yes. go to the Israeli border, and shoot up Israeli soldiers. And the Jordanians uh, discovered it, the Jordanian military, and, mm -hmm. uh, and so these guys are in jail now. Mm 
But, you know, this ISIS thing is not finished. No. And there are a lot of really bad guys out there in, in Jordan who want to kill the king and remove the king and remove mm -hmm. it. What's going to replace the king? It's going to be ISIS. Yes. Now, if ISIS, God forbid, wins in Jordan, you're going to have black flags along the Jordan River. You know, yes. that means they're digging tunnels under the Jordan mm -hmm. River like the Hezbollah did oh. and like Gaza is doing in order to send soldiers in to invade Israel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You think Israel can just, you know, sit back and no, watch? No, no way. And so what I think is going to happen is our borders are going to start to expand to the east. Mm -hmm. We don't want it. No. We don't want it. Uh, you, know, you know what my worst enemy is as far as uh, uh, when, I, when I'm preaching? It's Jewish mothers. You know why? Okay. Yeah. Jewish mothers want their kids home. Mm -hmm. uh, in Florida, it's called a golf carts ride away. You know, all these retirement homes, they have golf yeah. carts, you know, so the kids can come <laughs> in the golf cart. Yeah. Um, if we're going to be in Jordan and Syria and Saudi and Lebanon, our kids are going to be scattered all over the place, yeah. all the way to the Euphrates. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to happen in this next war. Mm -hmm. One year we went to Amman, spent the night there. Yeah. It's a beautiful city, very modern and nice. It's like Jerusalem. Yes, it is. And we left there and went down to, was it Jeresh? That's in Jordan, the yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's a tourist city, also. Yeah. Right. It's called the Roman ruins. That's yes. right. Right. Mm -hmm. We toured that and then went on down to Petra. You know, if you come to Kedar, where I live, I hope you do come, mm -hmm. and you go to the highest point in our community where the Secretariat building is, and you look this way to the northeast, you see Amman. From, from uh -huh. and if you look yeah. to the northwest, you see Jerusalem. Jerusalem, yes. Wow. Standing. In the They're same not place. far apart. Uh, the bird's eye view. Yes. Wow. It's, it's really, really special. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. I love to go up and on Mount Bintal, that old army thing up there. Lookout point. Oh, uh, that lookout point the where, where yes, you can uh -huh. see so many ways yeah. at the same time. When we were there in 2020, it was so cold. <laughs> and one of our friends said, why on earth did we come up here? And he told Harold the other day, I'm so glad we went up there now that I'm home and I think about it. <laughs> you know what that reminds me of? When a soldier goes into basic training in boot camp. Mm -hmm. I think it's in the Marines here also. He said, what, what am I doing here? You know? uh, yeah. It's horrible. I want to go home. You know, and then, but after you finish the boot camp, you say, that was the greatest experience I ever uh -huh. had. Same with the Israeli Army. Yeah. What year did the Israeli Army quit having their basic training graduates go up Masada? Didn't they have to go up it for I, I'm years? I'm not acquainted. Uh, I think a, a lot of, it's, I don't know, there are people still have their swearing-in ceremony at Masada. On top of Masada. I think most units have the swearing-in at the Kota, at the Western Wall. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. it, there's been different ones on the tour. When we would go in to look at the movie and go through the big building to get on the cable car to go up there. Well, they'd start on foot and run up the snake trail. Right. Mm -hmm. And we'd be up there about half through when they'd catch up with us. Yeah. And part of them would tell us we're okay and we're on the way down and they'd take off going down it. The rest of them was happy to get on that cable car. <laughs> well, one of those being Tommy's son, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. He ran up he and ran down. Avi, <laughs> mm -hmm. let, let's shift gears a little bit. Quit reminiscing about Israeli mm -hmm. <laughs> tours as much as we love them and, and uh, love talking about them and remembering. Uh, but things going on in the Middle East, 
What do you see happening overall, the general picture there that, uh, that we need to be aware of, that we are really not because our American news is so limited to what it tells us? Well, uh, I think that there are two groups um, uh, that are very much uh, underrated, under-mentioned, uh, not only in the Israeli media, of course, also in the American media. And these are different types of Sunnis. You have the Turks. Now, Turks are not Arabs. Turks are Indo-European. They, they don't speak Arabic. They speak Turkish. And then you have ISIS, who are Arabs. Though with ISIS, sometimes you have Turks and others that join ISIS. Mm -hmm. They're Sunnis, and these people have their plan to kill the Jews, kill the Christians, kill other minorities, like the Druze. The Druze are another mm -hmm. minority. Yeah. Um, the um, Yazidis, the Kurds, these people are all in the gun sites of ISIS and the Turks, and Israel is. Um, what you hear, if you hear anything at all in the news today, is the problem that we have with Iran. Yes. Iran is a Shiite nation. Uh, Iran is also supporting the Shiites in Iraq, uh, in Syria, Lebanon, uh, Yemen. And the media, maybe correctly so, you know, talks only about the threat of Shiite Iran. Mm -hmm. And the Israelis also. I mean, we're focused on one enemy at right. a time. Yeah. But lurking in the depths are two other enemies. And I love President Trump, former President Trump, but when he says ISIS is finished, ISIS is not finished. No. ISIS mm -hmm. is pure Orthodox Islam. Sunni Islam. Uh, they've been beaten down in Syria and Iraq, mm -hmm. but they're still there. And uh, actually, they're making a comeback. Mm -hmm. And uh, ironically, ISIS uh, does play a positive role in the sense that it is a counterbalance to the Shiite Iranian terrorists, because the Shiites and the Sunnis hate each other mm -hmm. 1,400 years. Uh, when I'm in churches, I, I give a lecture on who are the Shiites and who are the Sunnis. Mm -hmm. Because you have to understand who they are to understand the, the, what's going on in the Middle East. Um, and one of the things that uh, people who are in the know are saying is that the king and the kingdom of Jordan are doomed. Um, they, are not, they were never popular, and they are only in power because they have a very good intelligence service uh, and very good military. But at some stage, if ISIS takes over in, uh, in Jordan, the whole country becomes fanatically Islamic against Israel. Mm -hmm. uh, at that point, Israel will have to make a decision. Are we going to wait for them to invade us, dig tunnels under the Jordan River and invade us, or mm -hmm. do we move in? Which is going to be a mess. It's a horrible idea. Mm -hmm. uh, you look at Saudi Arabia. Now, I don't know if you ever heard this before. I said this with Chuck Missler's group you know, 10 years ago. Saudi Arabia is 92% pro-ISIS, 92%. The 8% that is not pro-ISIS, they are supporting the king and the family. Yeah. Because Saudi Arabia also has a king. Right. But the vast majority of orthodox, hardcore Muslims, Sunni Muslims, they support ISIS. In all the Islamic countries. Mm -hmm. Egypt also, Jordan, mm -hmm. uh, um, uh, Turkey. Mm -hmm. 
Now, what we have seen until now uh, is that Syria is a country that was 80% Sunni and 20% minorities. Minorities were Christians, Shiites, Druze, okay. Yazidis, Kurds, all these names people are probably, their eyes are glazing mm -hmm. over. And the 80% that was against the government were Sunnis. But of the 80%, 30% were part of the coalition with the Shiites because of the Ba'ath ideological party, which is kind of like socialist, which suppressed religion. The Russians, Chinese, Iranians, backed the coalition of Bashar al-Assad. Now, there are no good guys here. Because the Sunnis want to wipe out the Christians and Jews. ISIS wants to kill the Sunnis. Uh, the, uh, the Sunnis want to kill the Jews and uh, Christians and the Shiites and the uh, Druze. And, and Russia came in to bail out Bashar al-Assad because he was losing the war against mm -hmm. the Sunnis, against ISIS. Uh, the United States also played a role in bringing down the greatest of the power of uh, ISIS but ISIS is still there. And today, ISIS is making a comeback, just like the Taliban are making a comeback in Afghanistan yes. as the U.S. pulls its troops That's out. That's right. Also, Trump was yeah. the one who decided to pull out of Iraq and uh, Afghanistan. And I don't want to say I think it's a mistake, because I, who am I to sacrifice American boys and girls in a never-ending mm -hmm. battle? Mm -hmm. But the moment you pull out, Taliban come in, sure. or ISIS comes in. So I'm predicting at some stage the overthrow or defeat of the Iranian regime, which is Shiite, the very powerful rise of the Sunni Islam, um, and this is going to be on our borders, uh, of Israel's borders. Mm -hmm. Now, I didn't talk about the Turks. Turks are a very, very special nation. Uh, they started in the year 1002 with the Seljuks. In 1302 came the Ottomans. Mm -hmm. And it's basically we're talking about the Ottomans today because they're different tribes of Turks. But they're all Muslims. Um, interest, interestingly, the Turks uh, actually were very good to the Jews. If you remember, in 1492, the Jews were kicked out of Spain by the Catholics. Mm -hmm. And the Muslims who were in Spain were kicked out by the Catholics. So the Turks took them in. And the Turks reached their apex of power when the Jews and these Arabs from Spain went into the uh, Ottoman Empire. Um, if you go to Turkey today, if you go to their schools, uh, public schools, mm -hmm. if you go to government offices, you're going to see a map that long. You're going to have Morocco and on the Atlantic, which is part of the Turkish Empire, and you're mm -hmm. going to have China. You're going to have Xinjiang province in western China. Mm -hmm. That was Turkey. Yeah. And the six republics that broke away from uh, Russia when the communist uh, right. Soviet system collapsed. Um, Turkey is saying we have to go back to those borders. Mm -hmm. And the Ottoman borders went all the way to the borders of uh, Italy, the Balkans, Yugoslavia, Bul Bulgaria, Greece, Romania. You know, these are Christian nations. Christians fought very hard, incidentally, mm -hmm. with the help of the Russians, uh, to break away from Turkish uh, Islamic rule. So Turkey was basically, it reached its ebb, its lowest ebb uh, with World War I and the dissolution of the Ottoman Empire. 
And then Turkey became under Ataturk a small, uh, not small, Anatolia is not small, but compared to all the territory that they had had, uh, just Anatolia became a, like a secular Islamic state, not religious at all. But what we see happening now is the revival of fanatic Islam under Erdogan. And they are basically undoing the legacy of Kemal Ataturk. Now, you've heard of the island of Cyprus. The island of Cyprus is divided today between 40% of the north, which is controlled by the Turkish invasion forces, and then you have the Greeks in the south, which is 60%. And um, it has a very interesting history because uh, it was a, a Roman colony. It was a Byzantine colony. Then it became a Venetian. If you, I, you know, most Americans don't know any history of the Middle East. But the Venetians were a city-state. The Venetians had a very powerful navy. It was the Venetians, Marco Polo, who went to China and brought all the spices from the okay. Venetia. Venice played a very great role. Um, and so Cyprus was actually controlled, ruled by Venice. Uh, then uh, the Turks came in, then the British came in, then the Russians came in, and everybody's uh, fighting over this island. So Cyprus has a very, very interesting, very colorful uh, history. Um, I have a very good friend, Greek Cypriot, um, very close friends of mine already since 1974. So it's already almost 50 Mm -hmm. years. And... um, Cyprus uh, has always had a Turkish and Greek population, meaning from the time that the Turks first came in a few centuries Mm -hmm. ago, there there are Turks living there. And in 1974, uh, Makarios, who was the leader of uh, Cyprus, was overthrown in a coup, nationalist Greek coup. Mm -hmm. And so the Turkish government decided we have to go in and defend our fellow Turks in Cyprus, and they invaded the north of Cyprus. My Greek friend was telling me a story, very interesting story. He was in their summer house up in Kyrenia. Kyrenia is is like a uh, northern Cypriot uh, village, uh, Mm -hmm. touristic village. Mm -hmm. He had a beautiful house, summer house there, and anyway, Five in the morning, he gets up in the summer. It was July 14th, 1974. I remember the story because I was in the Israeli artillery. And they, they, they mobilized us with emergency orders because they said, tomorrow the Turks are going to invade Cyprus from the north. Mm-hmm. So we knew that this was yeah. going to happen. And um, he said he was looking out his kitchen window, five in the morning. All of a sudden, he sees the whole Turkish fleet with the red Turkish flags and mm-hmm. immediately woke up his wife, woke up his two kids in their pajamas, got into the car and sped down the mountain to uh, Nicosia, which is the capital. And uh, as they were approaching Nicosia, they could see the parachutes. It's a very small island, mm-hmm. the parachutes of the Turks. Anyone who was behind the Turkish lines was shot, wow. the Greeks. It's not a big population. I have half a million uh, Greeks and 100,000 Turks living there. And then you have this Turkish army that comes in. And I was in Cyprus many times. And he said to me, you know, we Cypriots, we know 
that if we have money, we don't put it in the Cypriot bank because the Turks are going to take the island one day. Mm -hmm. We know. Mm -hmm. And we won't put the money in, in Athens, in Greece either, because it's too close to the Turks. We put our money in London. By the way, London's too close also to, to the Islamic mm -hmm. powers. Yeah. Now, why am I telling you this? Because I have all of a sudden this very personalized, uh, intimate view of what's happening in Cyprus. And I was always talking to him about Islam, 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 and he was saying, no, 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 everything has to be done through negotiations and peace talks and investments and, you know, raising the standard of living, you know, the typical mm -hmm. peace now type uh, way of talking. So I want to go back in history. You know, in World War II, whoever controlled the air controlled the war. Israelis also in the Six-Day War. They controlled the air from the very beginning, uh -huh. so everyone knew Israel's going to win. But in the medieval times, whoever controlled the seas controlled the uh, outcome of the war. Now, the Turks, their fleet was right off the coast of Spain in 1492. Don't forget, the Turks controlled all of North Africa. The Turks, mm -hmm. they controlled Morocco. And the Catholic king and queen of Spain, I'm not justifying what they did to the Jews and the Christians, uh, Jews and the, the Muslims, but they knew that if they left the back door open, the Turks would invade. It would be a fourth Islamic invasion of the Iberian Peninsula. So they expelled the Jews, they expelled the, the, the Muslims. And the Turks took them in. And it was increased value for the Turkish Empire. They, they helped to run the administration. 1492. So I always like to talk about American schools. 1588, there was the Battle of the Spanish Armada. Everybody knows the story. Why? Because the Catholics got whipped. <laughs> it was a Protestant naval victory of the Catholic Spanish fleet. Mm -hmm. But 17 years before, in 1571, there was a battle called the Battle of Lepanto. The Battle of Lepanto was the combined fleets of Spain and Venetia, uh, Venice, mm -hmm. Catholic, and they were part of the Holy Roman Empire. Don't forget that the Spanish were now intermarried into the Austrian Habsburgs and all, all these, you know, Spanish had a fleet. This is before the Battle of the Spanish Armada. Okay. But nobody in America knows about the Battle of Lepanto because it was a Catholic victory over the Turks. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. But this broke the back of the Turks as far as naval power in the Mediterranean at that time. After 1571, what you see is a steady decline in Turkish power in Eastern Europe. 1683, you have the defeat of the Turkish armies that were, had surrounded Vienna. You had the, the Polish army came down to liberate Vienna from the Muslims. You had German uh, barons coming down. You had, you had a number of armies coming, to, and they defeated the Turks. So the Turks are now pulling out of Austria, pulling out of uh, Hungary, pulling out of Romania, pulling out of all these Balkan countries, and uh, withdrawing eventually to the Dardanelles in 1912. I mean, this is a process of hundreds of years. And the Russians mm -hmm. came in also and participated in this. Okay. Avi Lipkin is writing his eighth book. And it's called Lepanto II. So you all know now Lepanto I is the Battle of 1571, right. in which the Catholics whipped the Muslims, okay, which nobody talks about. Israel today 
is very, very much an energy power because of the different uh, gas, natural gas fields mm -hmm. in the Mediterranean. Now, Cyprus also has gas fields. And Israel made an offer to the Greeks, and they accepted it to become allies. And so the Greek Christians in Cyprus and Israel uh, have become allies. Greece on the mainland has become an ally of Israel. And it's interesting that the Greeks and the Greek Cypriots did not like Israel until this gas thing happened, mm -hmm. and uh, until the Arab Spring. Now all of a sudden, the Greeks have realized that the, Israel, the Jews are their allies. This is remarkable, because I was always a Grecophile. I always loved Greece, and I could never understand why they were always with the Arabs. But after the Arab Spring and what's happening with the rise of, of fanatic Islam in Turkey, the Greeks realized they better be with the Jews, who are their allies. Mm -hmm. So Israel is now preparing a gas pipeline from the uh, gas uh, areas there in the Mediterranean with the Greek uh, gas uh, fields mm -hmm. in a pipeline to Cyprus, to Greece, to Italy. This is of great strategic importance to Europe because all the other gas comes from Russia, uh, Turkey, Ukraine. Mm -hmm. So what, what's the problem here? The Turks come and say, no, Cyprus belongs to Turkey. Even the Greek part belongs to Turkey. We have to be in this deal. I'm predicting a, a war with Turkey. And the Israeli military is training with the Cypriot military. Cypriot, it's only 500,000 people. The Turks could overrun the rest of the island in one day. Yeah. yeah. So I think with our intelligence you know, services, we will know when the Turks plan to do this. And um, I'm afraid, this is what my book is about, I'm afraid that Turkey will send its whole fleet, that their whole fleet will get sunk by the Israelis, mm -hmm. maybe by, also by NATO. And you'll think, well, this is the end of Turkey. No, this is the beginning of Turkey, because that's the beginning of the Armageddon. In other words, hundreds of millions of Muslims in the former Soviet republics, mm -hmm. they're Turks. Mm -hmm. Hundreds of millions of Muslims in Indonesia, Malaysia, Brunei, India. You're going to have volunteers, hundreds of millions of volunteers going to Turkey to invade Israel from the north. All of this ah, is biblical. Yes, it is. Now, I used to have big fights with, uh, not fights, you know, scholarly <laughs> discussions. discussions with Chuck Missler about this. Because he said, Russia... The Soviet Union is the Ar Gog and Magog. I said, no, it's not. After the collapse of the Soviet Union, and basically the Russians got rid of 200 million Muslims, their population shrank from 350 million to, to 150 million because Russia got rid of the Muslims. So today, mm -hmm. Russia is a, a Russian Orthodox Christian nation and nationalist. Mm -hmm. Don't forget the Russian Christian nation of Russia, you know. Uh, has been fighting the Turks for a thousand years. So uh, mm -hmm. to my American brethren and dear Christians, I say don't, you know, erase Putin so quickly or the Russian military because it could mm -hmm. be the Russian military in the end will be allies if we have a problem with Turkey. On the other hand, Russia does a lot of business with Turkey. Mm -hmm. Money talks. Mm -hmm. So it was a, this is not a simple thing to, to talk about because Every government, including Russia, including China, including the U.S., 
has its military industrial complex. And these people want to do business. Doesn't matter if they're Turks or Arabs or Muslims mm -hmm. or whatever. I'll say another thing also that Americans maybe are not thinking so much about. You know, Americans are saying we've had enough. We're getting out of Afghanistan. Who's going to replace America in Afghanistan? You know who? Chinese. Mm -hmm. The Chinese have their Silk Belt Road. Uh, Afghanistan has tremendous potential as far as minerals. And if the Taliban defeated the British and they defeated the Russians and they defeated the Americans, let me tell you, they're not going to defeat the Chinese. So I'm just saying, you know, the, the end result of what America is doing by pulling out of Afghanistan is to invite the Chinese in. Oh, my. I think this is really refreshing. I never had considered what you're saying. Mm -hmm. But I don't think we ever need to put God in a box because we were taught a certain way does not mean that's how it is. That's right. Because God isn't answerable to what I believe. He's answerable to what He is and He knows. And I had not seen this from this angle until you were talking That's just right. now. Mm -hmm. uh, but I will say something else. Again, you have to remember, the Chinese have a problem with the Sunni Muslim Turks in Western China, the Uyghurs. Uh, Iran is Shiite, and Iran is an ally of, of China. I don't see the Iranian people as an enemy. I see the Iranian government as an enemy. Mm -hmm. um, even if there is a war with Iran, it might very possibly be that the Chinese would have to come in to rebuild Iran. But it would rebuild Iran, hopefully, not with these crazy, fanatic religious leaders. And the Chinese are against fanatic, crazy, fanatic religious leaders. Definitely. And the real enemy of China is not the Shiites of Iran. The real enemy of China is the Sunnis, the Turks. It's a giant tapestry that God's weaving, isn't it? So my whole point is that the Gog and Magog, as I understand it, will be Turkey and all these hundreds of millions of Muslims who come down from all over the world to Turkey and then down to us. Um, it's going to be a, 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 it's going to be a Gog and Magog war, mm -hmm. which we have never seen the likes of before. Right. Right. But people don't know the Bible. People don't know the history. Mm -hmm. Right. And even those of us who read and read and read the Bible, miss things like this yeah you know well that's why because you we don't me. don't know the history <laughs> yeah, that's right that's why we want you to keep coming back okay you want some more razzmatazz okay, sure now listen sure. to this you have a country called egypt mm -hmm. and i love egypt why yes. i love egypt because abdul nasser was crazy he got rid of my wife's family from egypt and i, I what he lost i gained because mm -hmm. i met my wife she's from egypt yes uh -huh. and she's been my teacher then i go to the churches and they say, hey, Avi, look at Ezekiel 28, 29. Now, what's Ezekiel 28, 29? It says that there's going to be something happening, which never happened, by the way, in Egypt, that no human foot will step in Egypt for 40 years. Okay? It doesn't say the Egyptians are annihilated. It says no human foot, no animal will tread in Egypt. Now, what's Egypt? Egypt is the Nile River Valley. The rest is desert. Mm -hmm. Okay. Where from Aswan, what's in Aswan? The dam. The dam. From, mm -hmm. the, from Aswan all the way to Migdol, which is on the Mediterranean. So you think to yourself, you know, okay, let's start trying to put this thing together now. 
I have to tell you, I got court-martialed by the Israeli army uh, because something related to this. There's a very dear friend of mine. I don't know if you ever heard of Stan Goodenough, and he was with, I have, he was years with the ago. Christian okay. Embassy. And he put out a newsletter in 1995, I think it was, or 1994, and I quoted it. I quoted a Christian newsletter. I got court-martialed by the Israeli <laughs> army because he was saying Egypt is preparing for war with Israel. Now, praise God, there's been no war with, uh, with Egypt since uh, the 73 war. Mm -hmm. We have a peace agreement. It's very good that we have a peace agreement. I support all the peace agreements. And he said like this, former minister of war, Hawaii, said that war with Israel is inevitable and it's coming soon. Well, it didn't. He was wrong. Mm -hmm. Former Minister of War Tantawi, here comes the crazy part that I got court-martialed, said, even though Israel has nuclear weapons, we will know how to cut off the arm of the enemy when the time comes. In other words, Egypt would know how to cut off the arm of Israel before it could use the nuclear weapons mm -hmm. that Egypt says. Mm -hmm. So they said, Avi, you're not allowed to talk about something like that. I said, I didn't talk about something like that. Stan Goodenough of the Christian Embassy wrote an article. I'm just quoting what the Egyptian Minister of War said. What does my wife do? My wife works in the Israeli radio. She listens to what they say in Arabic, and they say these things. Mm -hmm. So there's always that possibility of a war with Egypt. Sure. Okay, so what happens? You have the Arab Spring. You have a civil war between the Shiites and the Sunnis in Syria. Egypt is Sunni. So Egypt wants to send its troops to Syria to fight Bashar al-Assad and the Shiites. So Iran says, if you send your Sunni troops to Syria, we will nuke the Aswan Dam. Uh -oh. Not Israel. Yeah. Iran. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, what happens if, you nuke the, uh, if the Iranians nuke the Aswan Dam? You have something called Lake Nasser, a tremendous body of water. And if the dam goes, you're going to have a tsunami of water that will flush all of Egypt into the sea, into the Mediterranean. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. The people in Cairo will have about half an hour before that tsunami reaches Cairo to run up, scamper up the hills and away from the tsunami. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It does not say in the Bible the Egyptians will die. It says they will be ascent to the four corners of the earth. In other words, they will have to be brought in by nations mm -hmm. as a humanitarian mm -hmm. process to save mm -hmm. them because the whole country will be destroyed from this atomic bomb. Oh, it doesn't say atomic bomb in the Bible, but the Iranians mm -hmm. talk about an atomic bomb. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you know, start, I started thinking to myself, what did I say in the previous show? I said that uh, there are now 30 million Muslims in America. And if you want to do a show on how they make, in 50 years, how they reached 30 million, I can explain to you how they did it. Egypt today is 100 million. I say that if the, this thing happens in Egypt and the country becomes a desolation, the people are up on the hills there waiting for food and water. You cannot feed 100 million people every day. So what you're going to have to do is pick them up and bring them to all the different countries mm -hmm. and re, re, mm -hmm. resettle them. Then it says in the Bible, 40 years later, they return to Egypt, the Egyptian population. They're, they don't die. They, they escape from the waters. Mm -hmm. Okay. 100 million Egyptian refugees fleeing the waters. What country do you know, the greatest nation on earth? We'll probably take in about half. Oh, wow. 
United States. Mm -hmm. So you won't have 30 million Muslims. You're going to have 80 million Muslims in America. What's going on now is the preparation for refugees coming from Egypt, refugees coming from Turkey, refugees coming from the whole Middle East. And you don't see Jews or Christians moving to Arab countries. Mm -mm. You don't see industry. You don't see anything positive. You see desert. You see destruction. Mm -hmm. You see desolation. And the Muslims flee from their countries to come to live in America. They hate America. They hate the Christians. But they want to come live on the American standard. Mm -hmm. So all I'm saying is, you know, the Christians in America really are asleep. You know, the Jews are not asleep. The Jews are comatose. <laughs> I can't even talk to the Jews about anything. My own people. I go to synagogue on Shabbat. They all know who I am. You're welcome. Just don't talk. Who listens to me? You guys, the Christians. So all I'm saying is America is in desperate need of a Christian revival. Uh, I am very, very um, uh, cautious, but very expectant of what I think is going to happen with Turkey, because that, that Erdogan is nuts. Mm -hmm. And many people compare it to Hitler with the megalomania that he, he like, he, he he has to bring Turkey back to what it was in 1500. Yes, that's what he wants to do. And if it means killing all the Greeks in Cyprus, he'll do it. And our, our soldiers are training the Greek soldiers mm -hmm. and the, uh, in Cy Cyprus and in Greece, in our Air Force, and our Navy. I, I don't know. Will Israel say to the Greeks, okay, we've got to bring the Turks and otherwise they're going to you know, be like a bull in a china shop? This gas pipeline is a revolution, you know, between Israel, sure. Cyprus, Greece, mm -hmm. and Italy. What do you mean the Turks? Well, you know, they want to get in on the deal. Mm -hmm. Do they have a right? Mm -hmm. Maybe it'll go to an international court of justice. But uh, in the end, I think Turks won't pay any attention to anything. They want it, they're going to take it. Everything comes down to force. It does. Mm -hmm. yep. Anyways. I'm telling you things most Americans never hear. Well, so, we don't. Yeah. We don't have access to that yeah. information, which is a shame. So, by the way, I have to tell you, the Crimean War in 1854, the Russians were on the verge of taking Constantinople back, taking back really? Istanbul. Yeah. Who stopped them? The British and the French. You know why? Because the British and the French thought that Russia was getting too powerful. And they, they actually backed the Turks. Then, four years later, there was an agreement between the Turks and Egypt with Britain and France to build the Suez Canal. Okay. So this was all planned mm -hmm. by what we call the one world government at that time. So Lesseps, you know, made the plan for the uh, Suez Canal. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. I think it's so amazing the way it's built up. Just a little bit here and a little bit there and a little building block here until this whole thing that you're describing has evolved over a period of so many years. Centuries. I, I am a, a lover of history. Oh, it's me too. Awesome. Of, of all history. I am too. And I love all nations. I don't remember it like you do, but no. I wish I did. I'm always reminded that history is his story. Mm -hmm. It's what God has written the end from the beginning and, and we're just seeing it unfold. Mm -hmm. That's right. 
exciting days we're living in. It is, and it tests your faith, though, not to be afraid. <laughs> it does. Or it tests mine not to be afraid. But that's one, one assurance we can have if we belong to the family of God, that we don't have to be afraid. That he, oh, absolutely, Tom. Uh, and and that's, that's our hope. And I read the end of the book. I, I know did, who too. Wins. <laughs> I know it. God does. <laughs> he does. It is his story. <laughs> it is his story. And, and there will be a happy ending. There will be a happy ending. <laughs> I think the happy ending is going to be very, very close. I do, I do too. too. Uh, it's not going to be too in the too distant future. That's why I'm saying I feel so fortunate that God allows me or commands me uh, to go ahead with this message and mm -hmm. get it out because so many people don't know any of these things. It's so critical. Yeah. It is so critical that people know, people hear, first of all, and that they don't tune it out as something, oh, that is so far out. That couldn't possibly happen. Oh, far out things have been happening for centuries. <laughs> and nothing takes God by surprise because, like Lois said, he knows the end from the beginning and he orchestrates it, more or less, because he turns the hearts of the kings like a water course. And he tells people like Avi to, what to say. I mean, he yeah. opens up your understanding. Right. For, I mean, I've read these scriptures that we've talked about so many times. I have so to. many times I've not seen some of these things you've brought out today. Well, you have Ezekiel 38 with the Armageddon, and you have the uh, Ezekiel 28, 29 with Egypt. And um, actually, uh, there's also a theory about Iran, that Iran actually will be destroyed. I think it's in Isaiah 31 or something like that. Um, so th there's so many things in the Bible that describe what is happening today and what is going to happen. Uh -huh. So, And our failing is not to read the scriptures to realize that this point and that point is not fulfilled yet. It didn't happen in some battle back so many thousand years ago. It's still waiting. It's still yeah. in the works. Mm -hmm. uh, by the way, because I'm watching the clock and I know time is running out, and what I wanted to do is to tickle people's imagination. Right. Uh, tomorrow, uh, I understand we're going to do some more programming. And uh, what I want to talk about tomorrow is uh, something that my son spoke about, but his message and my message, though they may be the same tomorrow, he says it in a different way, and I say it in a different mm -hmm. way. Um, uh, my son Aaron uh, is very, very much involved. Uh, he has a tour company, Lipkin Tours. And uh, my son takes uh, primarily Christian groups uh, to different archaeological sites. Oh, love it. Which prove the veracity of the Bible. Yes. Now, um, one of the things that uh, I say uh, in my message uh, is that uh, when I was a young kid, uh, I was born in 49. 1962, I was 13. I had my bar mitzvah. I was in Hebrew school. And I was a, I still am, fanatic stamp collector and coin collector. And mm -hmm. so I was trading stamps with a friend of mine in Hebrew school uh, during the class. And my teacher caught us red-handed. And one of the stamps that I was holding in my hand was an American uh, stamp called the Battle of Shiloh. Mm -hmm. It had just been issued by the post, American Post Office. Uh -huh. 
in April of 1962. It was 100 years since the Battle of Shiloh in okay. Tennessee. In Tennessee. So I, I, I was always a, a, a Civil War buff, but my, my Hebrew teacher, instead of yelling at us, why are we fooling around in the class, she said, you know that there's a Shiloh in uh, Israel. It's in the Bible. And I said, okay, where? She said, nobody knows. Why? Because at that time, it was under the ground. It had That's not right. been uh, excavated. Mm -hmm. uh, it was under an area which is at that time under the control of the Jordanians. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm sharing things that my son doesn't say when he does okay. his message. But I want people to hear it because it'll tickle them to come back and hear the next uh, sh uh, taping we're doing. And uh, <clears throat> after the Six-Day War, okay, so 1962, I'm 13, uh, the West Bank is under the control of the Jordanians. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, nobody knows where Shiloh or any of these other places uh, are. And um, 67, five years later, you have the Six-Day War. Six-Day War, the Israeli military liberates these territories. And the Israeli uh, archaeologists start looking for the biblical sites. Because they're there somewhere. They're there. Mm -hmm. You just got to go look. Mm -hmm. And one of the first things we learned was that the, uh, the Arab Christians uh, have their villages uh, where these sites are. Amazing. And, uh, for example, Shiloh, um, there's an Arab Christian village up on the hill called the, the destruction of Shiloh. But if it says Shiloh, Shiloh has to be nearby. Mm -hmm. So they go to the Arab Christians and say, Where, is Shiloh near here? They say, yeah, right down there in the valley. The, mm -hmm. the Christians maintained the tradition. Mm -hmm. They knew that Shiloh was there, but it had never been excavated. Mm -hmm. So the Israeli archaeologists come in. All of a sudden, they see pieces of uh, uh, pottery, ceramics. You know, uh, Jews are like Greeks when they're smashing the plates in the restaurant. You know? <laughs> After the <laughs> offerings are made, we smash the plates. And um, they said, this is pottery from 1200 BC. Wow. And so they start digging and digging and digging, and they find four Greek Orthodox churches and monasteries. Wow. And it turns out that in the year 700, I think 60 or something, or 700, I don't remember the exact year, there was an earthquake. And Shiloh, Greek Shiloh, Byzantine Shiloh was destroyed. Mm -hmm. In a, mo in a moment mm -hmm. from the earthquake. Mm -hmm. So, and then it was abandoned because it was destroyed. I mean, completely destroyed. Mm -hmm. The same earthquake destroyed the Greek city of Skitopolis up in Bechan. Right. And um, it's a very long story. I'll talk about it in the next taping. But the bottom line is that um, the archaeologists were in front of one of these Greek churches and they dug down six feet. And they uncovered this beautiful, beautiful uh, uh, mosaic. You know what a mosaic is? Yes. It's, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a picture made up of little uh, pieces, pieces of stone, of, mm -hmm. colorful pieces of stone. Yeah. And they found an inscription. It said, may the Lord Jesus have mercy on the people of Sila, Sila Shiloh. Wow. Bingo. <laughs> yes. We found Shiloh. What's the importance of finding Shiloh? If you find Shiloh, then the prophet... Samuel was born there. The story of the prophet Samuel in Shiloh really happened. Okay, who did he anoint? 
King Saul, King David. You know, there are people say King David never existed. Oh, no. <laughs> there are people say King Saul never existed. Mm -hmm. So the teachings that my son did, <laughs> he went to the different archaeological sites. Bethel, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were there. Uh, Moses and Aaron were at the altar of uh, Joshua on Mount Evald. They found these giant footprints. That, to this day, rabbis don't even talk about it. They don't know what it is. They don't want to know. But we're going to talk about this in the, All right. in the next show. All right. Oh, I yeah. can't wait. Yeah. But it's, it's, the important thing is there is no excuse anymore for a person to be atheist. No. Because they say, no, this is all fables. This is all uh, mythology. No, this is not mythology, not fables. This is something that really happened. And, uh, and those people who are nominally Jews and Christians, but they don't believe in God, we're going to bring them back. Saying that Saul and David didn't exist is like saying the Holocaust didn't exist. Yeah. Uh, well, you see, the archaeologists say like this. If you don't have uh, uh, archaeological proof in writing, Mm -hmm. where it says House of David, but they found House of David mm -hmm. also. Yeah. But, but Shiloh is the place where the prophet Samuel was born and lived. Mm -hmm. He's buried, he has a very, very special tomb uh, just Wouldn't north of Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. um, so, but we found Bethel, we found the tomb of uh, Joshua, uh, not the tomb, the altar of Joshua, which proves that Moses and, jo they say Moses and Joshua didn't exist. I mean, if you believe in the Bible, you know that they existed. But those people who, who doubt and they're critical of Bible uh, theology, yeah. they come with all kinds of ex excuses to say that it's all fables and mythology. Well, what my son has been doing the last few years is to prove that all of this is absolutely true, the veracity of the Bible. So. It is. And every day, the archaeologists are uncovering more yeah. proof of biblical happenings and places and it is so exciting avi thank you so much for two delightful hours we will record another two hours they won't play back to back so you'll have to pay attention to when uh the programs are being played but we will follow up on what avi just started and and delve into these archaeological things and you don't want to miss a minute of it God bless you. Thank you for being with us. Keep praying for GLC. We love you. Mm -hmm.